Hello, it is Overreaction Monday, October 18th, 2021 years after the year zero. Can't thank you enough for allowing us to penetrate your ear holes. Today is a big one. Not only do we overreact to everything that happened yesterday, and Darius Butler, our friend and host of the Man to Man podcast, stopped by and give us riveting detail on his thoughts on what happened. AJ Hawk is here. The boys are on fire, but also Ricky fucking Williams, dude. Let's go. Can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of your day-to-day. If you enjoy this show, by the end of it, please be a friend, tell a friend. If not, just act like it never happened. Let's get to it. For a day that we like to call over Reaction Monday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not the only ones. I think everybody on earth has experienced an overreaction Monday in their life where they're an NFL fan and their team either looks like they're going to win a Super Bowl from the previous performance or maybe they look like a team that needs to be sold that today is for all of those things and everything in between the conversations revolve around whether or not the team is going to be able to go to the Super Bowl or the team stinks forever. There's going to be a lot of ups and a lot of downs today. We will ride the ebbs and flows of this NFL season every single Monday like we're supposed to. And we hope you will join us in doing the same. Uh, go ahead and give us a call. one 833 on the 5-Hour Energy phone line. Cannot wait to hear from you. We will dive across the internet in the hashtag PMS Overreaction Monday tweets that happened this morning. Morning. We ended up trending, like uh, I think, in 20 minutes or so after being announced. Thank you all so so yeah. much. Thank you. The overreactions were beautiful. Can't wait to dive into those. All the boys are here. At Tone Diggs is here after a thriller oh, for yeah. the Stellars, winning in overtime with Chris Boswell making a massive kick. Mike Tomlin telling the refs to go fuck themselves uh-huh. while walking into his press conference after the game, saying, "I'm writing a check to the league tonight. <laughs> I'm gonna go tell." The truth. He called it an embarrassment. No matter what you call it, the Pittsburgh Steelers got a win over the Geno Smith-led Seattle Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. Tone Diggs, how do you feel about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Ben Roethlisberger doesn't seem to be completely dead just yet, pal. Three and three going to the bye week. Couldn't have asked for a better situation after the start to the season. Ben was putting the ball wherever he wanted it at certain points in last night's game. And was it against potentially the worst pass defense in the NFL? Yes. And was it against Geno Smith, who definitely stinks uh, when he's actually whoa, the starter? Whoa, but that doesn't matter. the Steelers overtime on the road in Pittsburgh. In front of the was it pretty? Wow. No. But when you get wins, you get wins. And guess what? Browns are in fourth place in the AFC North. Whoa! Whoa! We will get to the bronze, all right? And I know Tone was excited to get to that hole. Hey, we won, but it's not about us. Team didn't play. It's not about us. Let's go ahead and remember that the bronze is the bronze, is what Tone Diggs wants to say, and I don't think that's the case. Baker Mayfield separated his shoulder again, dislocated his shoulder again. OBJ's playing for the first time in a while. He got hurt again, came out and battled through it with grit. They don't have Jarvis Landry. He's out immediately before the game. I thought he was playing whenever I decided to pick him, uh, (laughs) pick the Browns to uh, cover or beat the Arizona Cardinals who had no coach, no offense coordinator, no problem as Kyler Murray absolutely sliced and diced and nuke had his way. I mean, it was A.J. Green scored a touchdown. That Cardinals team looked great. The Browns, not so much. The Browns are going through some stuff. There's no reason for you to talk as much shit about the Browns as you were talking, even though the Steelers may be all the way back. Ooh, that was the first time I've talked shit about the Browns this season. I just had to get it off my chest. Yeah, you had to get it out there early. Had to say, hey, listen, 
We were doing a lot of talking about the Browns being all the way back. The Browns won a playoff game against Pittsburgh Steelers last offseason. The Browns starting out hot a little bit. Let's go ahead and remember that right now, although Jarvis and OBJ have played next to no snaps together on the same field at the same time, which is a massive investment by the Browns, and they haven't had them both at the same time because of injuries or whatnot, they are back at the bottom of the AFC North. And the Cincinnati Bengals, okay, oh, a team wow. that everybody thought they potentially stink because they have no indoor practice facility. Their team doesn't invest in their team to be as successful as other teams. They go up to Detroit and embarrass the Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah. Right in front of white boy Rick's face. Uh, Unbelievable. Messed up. White boy Rick was screwed over by the city of Detroit so bad that he had to spend like 30 years in jail. His life, by Detroit standards, has been terribly unfair. Yeah. Then he goes to a Lions game yesterday. Foxy's uh, friends are taking Snapchats and videos of them all over the place. And I couldn't wait just to see what the Detroit Lions did for old white boy Rick, especially against the Cincinnati Bengals after a week where uh, your coach cried and uh, emotions yeah. were potentially right. high. And white uh-huh. boy Rick's out of jail. And here we go. Everything's potentially happening. There's no halftime speech by Sheila Fordham for, ever, for her to get booed by everybody. Right. And you guys just got dog-walked and ragdolled by the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh. Oh. I'm afraid uh, after yesterday, before yesterday, I did not think we're the worst team in the NFL. Now I'm starting to think. We have to at least bring the conversation up, and it is Overreaction Monday of, of a potential 0-7. Yeah, you guys stink, okay? Yeah, Jared Goff uh-huh. seems to stink. Uh, the team seems that Right yeah. now, this is Overreaction Monday, so let's mm-hmm. say all these things. Uh, the Lions stink, yeah. okay? Yeah. They Fire stink. MCDC. What? Whoa. That's Dude, right. watch your mouth. Michelle doesn't do that. That's right. Coach's player getting his boys ready to play. Hey, Dan, you're 0-6, pal. Figure it out. The last time the Lions were 0-6 was the year that they won 0-16. Oh, so huh. the track record would say that if you have this record, you're on track to potentially lose every single game. But I wasn't talking about the Lions in this particular case. I was talking about the AFC North, yeah. which is hot in the kitchen because what the Ravens did to the Chargers yesterday, they wow. dog-walked and ragdolled mm. the AFC West, which is supposed to be the most powerful in the AFC. Yeah. They beat the shit out of the Chargers. People are now saying, are the Chargers dead? Did they peak too early? Or is it just the Ravens on this particular day when the Chargers didn't show up? They did show up and dominate. The AFC North is a problem. We talk about the NFC West. I mean, no Russell Wilson, so I guess it's a much different team. Yeah. But you talk about all these divisions. The AFC North is a problem. Pittsburgh Steelers are getting back. The Ravens are all the way back. Or The Cincinnati Bengals seem to have a squad. Now, what will happen in the winter when they can't get the extra reps without the indoor practice facility? That's Ooh. a good question. I mean, people will ask Joey Burrow and Jamar Chase, who's uh, um, pancaking yeah, DBs yeah. on runs. Killing them. Um, Jamar Chase outpacing Justin Jefferson last year. Remember how great Justin Jefferson was last year? Like, hey, this might be the greatest wide receiver rookie season we have ever seen. What he's doing, the intangibles, Jamar Chase is outpacing him. So Jamar Chase playing him, and then the Browns out there, they're going through it right now. Mm. Their starting quarterback was playing. It's Mm -hmm. not like they're now he was injured, he was hurt or whatever. They got to go through a lot. That'll be a storyline that will have to continue. Now, let's continue to bounce around the NFL a little bit. When Foxy says that the Lions might be the worst team in the NFL, that's because Urban Meyer can win in the NFL in Europe. That's right. Ah. TBD on whether or not he can win in the NFL in the United States. Uh-huh. Yep. Ears on the ground did say that he did get on the plane back with the team, okay. wow. which is good news. Yeah. Jacksonville gets an early win over a team that I got thousands. Hey, thousands! 
hundreds of dollars in futures bets on uh, to finish either third or fourth place in the AFC East. And those bets, by the way, landed me right landed me right in the hot seat with Dolphins fans, the Dolpham, the Fins Up community on the yep. internet, where they were bashing me because I didn't have enough appreciation and respect for the Dolphins. So much so that Dolphins fans actually made me respect the Dolphins more because of their passion, because how happy they seemed to be with how the team was doing and where they were going. Knocking Kyle Van Noy for being a terrible football player. We don't need him. Mm. Making fun of all the other decisions that other teams have made. This is now the Dolphins' time in the AFC East. And now the Dolphins are the team that handed Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer their first ever win in the NFL. And although Tua was back, I mean, all hell has to be breaking loose down there in Miami. Gumpy, what's going on? I thought we were going to be good this year. I was bullied on the internet because I thought we were going to be good this year. I changed my mind on the Dolphins after getting bullied on the internet about the Dolphins. What happened, Gump? Yins? Yins stink! Yeah, that's why it doesn't matter how many draft picks you have if you don't know what the fuck to do with them. <laughs> Chris Greer stinks. Van Ginkle cannot tackle anybody. The no. guy was supposed to replace Van Noy. We got rid of Lawson. We had a good team last year. Even the punter. We got rid of our punter, who was very good for no reason. Heck yeah, he's on the Bills now. Yeah. He'll play tonight. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Chris did. Greer can get at. He's uh, done. All right, I don't know who any of those people are, but I do know that Dolphins do not look great, and it doesn't look like it's getting Ooh. any better. Tua had signs of greatness, though, and then signs of being a young quarterback. Remember, last year was his rookie season, but he was pulled in crucial moments for somebody else to play. That's right. So I, I think there's still a lot to be learned about that team, and I didn't plan on talking about Miami or Jacksonville because at this point, week six, everybody knows nobody cares Yeah, at this they're point. dead. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they'll be able to get back. Once again, overreaction Monday is how it's got to be. But the big storyline of the Colts are back. Shout out to T.Y. Hilton coming in, being a whole new team. As soon as T.Y. Hilton enters the stadium and it's announced that he's playing, the energy level just gets infectious. T.Y. Hilton got the first pass, probably opened up coverage for Michael Pittman Jr. Paris Campbell scored a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor's un- Fucking believable at football. Last year, we didn't get to see as much of him because there was a rotating cast in the backfield. This year, it is his backfield. He is the running back. He catches the ball out of the back. He runs. He's a monster. He's a beast. Colts defense got a bunch of turnovers on Dougie Mills. Yeah. Uh, but it might be the Texans. We don't know if it's the Colts, but it was great to see the Colts and T.Y. Hilton mm-hmm. all the way back. Might change the future of that entire team. But the big story out of yesterday hmm. is a man... Okay, who earlier in the game scampered a little bit and looked faster than fucking Tyreek Hill. That's Whoa. right. That's right. Okay, so much so that while I was watching, I was like, yep, is that guy faster than fucking Tyreek Hill? <laughs> it was Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Then all game, it seemed to be a little bit chippy between Aaron and Chicago. Oh, yeah. Normally, Aaron, a lot of laughs, a lot of smiles, lots of pats on the back because a lot of the players, I think, like say, hey, this is OG Aaron Rodgers here. Seemed like it got a little bit chippy, almost like Nagy was like, hey, Although he's complimenting our fans and he's complimenting the rivalry, let's never forget, this guy has put us through some hard times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This guy's the reason why Chuck Pagano retired. Oh. This guy has not been nice to the Chicago Bears. And it got a little, it got a little chippy. There's some hands and face. There's pushing. There's some oh, late yeah. hits. There was some, there's a little bit of this. So after Aaron Rodgers scampers into the end zone, looking like a freak athlete, stumbles, rolls from a late hit, hits one of the best belts I've ever seen. Yes. We're talking about the biggest belt celebration in the history oh, of yeah. belt celebrations. Yeah, massive. Then all of a sudden he turns around and in his words, he saw a lady going, hey, hey, fuck you, Aaron. And Aaron goes, 
Bitch, are you kidding me? <laughs> and he said in the press conference that he blacked out. He doesn't remember what he said. But Bakhtiari and many others have confirmed that he said, I, I've owned you my whole fucking life. Like, yeah, look, look yeah. right at this. Like, and then all of a sudden, I feel like with the boys around, you know, and then some other people pointing me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I own you. And then, by, by the way, I still own you. Oh, yeah. I still own you. Jogs off. Then he's motivating the defense, by the way, once mm -hmm. they get in there. It's nice to see that type of rivalry. And once again, this is another, you know, quite a fuck you to the people that say he has no passion, he does yeah. not care at all, because he's always so in good spirits and, and excited. I loved everything about this. I loved the big belt celebration. Once I thought it couldn't get any better, I hear him screaming, I still own you to the fans. I'm like, this is awesome. This is the universe, okay, that I want to live in. Yeah. When Aaron Rodgers, who feels a little bit slighted by somebody, says, hey, hey, you know what? I'm fucking way better than you'll ever be. <laughs> yeah. 22 and 5 against the Chicago Bears. Damn. Yeah. 11 and 3 or something like that in Chicago. I forget exactly what it is. But, Ty, you were at the game. Mm -hmm. What a fucking moment. What a great day to be a Packer fan in Chicago, I'd assume. Uh, just your thoughts on the entire experience with Zito, who also diehard Bear fan. Who's a bit taunting? To who? <laughs> to all Chicago. To, to the fans? 15 yards, take that touchdown back. You're saying Goodell doesn't care about the he fans. Did, because does not he'll, care. he'll care about the other players and coaches yeah. if they get taunted. But if the fans get taunted, let yeah, it ride. that we'll, sportsman group We'll thing. retweet it. Yeah. Those fucks. Well, it was actually your fault because you guys flipped middle fingers, so it would have been offsetting. No, right. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah, There's no photo think, or video of the middle finger, so it was that a lie. I did, yeah, and I did. There were some photos posted on either the Packers or the NFL, and I don't think you got the entire scan <laughs> of the lower bowl mm -hmm. or of the front row, but where I, I did not see any middle fingers flying, but I'll be so excited sad. for said person to potentially be identified. Ty, you had to have a blast in Chicago. Yeah, it was awesome. Beautiful day, too. I mean, we were kind of worried about the weather with the lake effect and everything. Sunny, beautiful. I mean, it was just... It, it, couldn't ask for much more. They started very slow, per usual. You know, they've kind of been doing that this year a little bit. But once they found their groove, you kind of just knew. Raj obviously looked like he was having a good time. Uh, if there's anything to overreact to, it's the same deal. I mean, the defense, 15 for 15 in the red zone. They've given up. They haven't had a red zone hey, stop this year. So I saw that. Rob Domofsky put that tweet out, and then he listed every player's name. With how the how percentage many snaps of they got. I'm yeah. like, hey, that's a little hateful, Rob. Yeah. Rob Domofsky kind of like, hey, listen, they have not made a single stop in the red zone. By the way, here's every human that needs to be blamed. <laughs> yeah. That was a little hateful, but it was a great stat that I don't think any Packers fan was happy to see. And it is a little misleading because they were very good in between the 20s. It's just in the red zone. It, terrible. Absolutely terrible. But, I mean, just watching the game, like, it, it was the same deal with a lot of these Packers games. Like, they didn't blow them out, but it never really felt like the game. Well, even when the Bears pulled within three points, it never really felt like it was it was close. Aaron owns Chicago. He always has. He always will. And, you know, it wasn't going to be any different on Sunday, and I'm just glad I got to watch it in person. Thanks uh, to you and Seek. No, was no. Awesome. Shout to Seek for that. I'm happy you guys all went up there. I'm happy you had a great time. As opposed to what we were a little bit worried about, you know, if you got a little couple whiskeys in you, yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple beers, what? In you, what? Then some bad things start happening on the field, what? and then all of a sudden you start going, "Oh, Chicago fucking." Stinks.
stinks. <laughs> and we've seen videos now. Yeah. There's videos surfacing from the Vikers Pan- uh, Vikings Panthers game where one particular old white got his shit sent after a minute oh, yeah. and a half of investigate or antagonizing uh, against a lady. And, and who knows what happened beforehand? But there has been people's faces getting knocked off at these games. I'm happy that didn't happen to you, uh, Zito. Very. Amicable. It's gotten worse too. There was this Bears fan that was punching a uh, steel barricade. He was so pissed off. Oh, so Bears fans are actually mad at the stadium. Yes, yeah, they were. They're mad at the organization. They're not necessarily mad. A lot of Packers fans, it looked like. A lot of Packers fans. Uh, A lot of Packers fans. A lot of Packers fans. I don't know. Whenever they zoomed in, I saw a lot of green throughout that game. Oh, yeah, for sure. And even, like, I was very surprised. The area we were in, people were very amicable. It's like, as things started to go and the Packers started to pull away and you knew they were going to win, all the fans around us were like, I mean, what'd you fucking expect? We knew this was going to happen, you know? And then they just start listening. I don't know. I, I I was expecting people to be a little bit more pissed, but I think with Justin Fields, like he hey he looks good. He got yeah. flashes. He shows flashes where it's like, okay, this guy is going to be good down the road. So I think, and then you know their their third string running back almost rushed for a hundred yards. Uh-huh. The defense yeah. was getting pressure on Rodgers. Like they, you know, hey Quinn, by the way, had this sack where he, his lean in reach early. He was facing the other end zone and he went around like this. Remember, that guy had like 20 sacks one season. I I forget how long it was. With the Rams. And whenever we talk about Justin Fields, yeah, and I think Long was still on the team. Yeah, he was. They they were kind of going the opposite direction because I think Quinn and uh, Robert Mathis were racing for the sack title. Yeah. I mean, it was really going there. But whenever you see how good Justin Fields is, and then you see how stacked the defense is with names and money that's probably been spent on players that are on the Bears, you think to yourself, like, why aren't they? You know, like, why aren't they – why can't they – now, granted, against the Packers, that's that whole thing. Right. But looking forward, if I'm a Bears fan, I think I at least feel pretty yeah. good. Justin Fields makes plays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Makes throws, seems to be tough, seems to have the composure, seems to be a guy, which I think is what all of Chicago is excited about. But at what point do you – you know, same regime that's been there for a while. Roster's been spent. At what point do you go, oh, in the future when we redo some, like, I don't know how that conversation yeah. goes in Chicago if you're a Bears fan, because let's say they turn over new coach, new staff, and everything, then you got another, then you got another, yeah, yeah, then you got yeah. another couple of buildups, and it feels like Justin Fields could be a guy. Yeah. You just got to hope that I guess it won't get wasted up there for whatever reason, however. Well, and it's, it goes back to your, like, watching it live. I mean, you can see it on, like, the TV copy, actually, obviously, but, like, it goes back to your point about two, like, these rookie QBs, the first, he just, He's just hesitant. Like he does, it's, he doesn't trust himself to make some of these throws. And a lot of those sacks he was taking, it's like he just gets back there and can't decide whether. Like he, he's gonna, and you can tell with his arm, like he is going to be able to throw guys open. He's got a fucking cannon. Like it'll take a little bit, but I think the future is very bright with him. And, and as soon as he realizes what's open and what isn't open in Chicago, I think you got to be pumped. Zeta, you're going to say something. You're, I assume all of Chicago is behind Justin Fields much more than Nagy or for anybody. sure. Yeah, yeah. but I, I want to say the the refs yesterday should be oh, fired. Okay. Destroy whatever you got to do. Get uh, rid of those guys. Interesting you say that because I put out a tweet because the Packers got screwed in the first half yeah. a couple times. Big I mean, time. there was a touchdown wiped off the board that was called an incompletion that was very clearly not an incompletion. Yeah. Then the push off was bullshit. And then there was a couple oh, other hits off. that happened, I, I guess. And I put out a tweet like, hey, it seems like the Packers are kind of getting fucked here. And all of Chicago yeah. came at me and they were like, oh, is that right? Why don't you start watching from our side? And then that second half, I did actually start <laughs> looking. I'm like, this entire crew. Yeah. This is an epidemic worst. right now. The oh, yeah. They also wear, so bad. Hey, one this, where the Packers jumped off sides. 
Oh, and yeah. it should have been a free play on field. And, oh, and, and he throws an interception. Yeah, yeah he yeah. throws a awesome. pick. I mean, it is – the ref issue is a real one. I mean, there is some real conspiracies yes. cooking on the internet, by the way, with how bad these refs like, have Justin been. Justin Fields was trying to call timeout. They did not let him call it. Delay a game. Yeah. In the, Blew it, my mind. Which, by the way, the ref is right there. So, oh, yeah. literally, the ref's only job is to look at the quarterback. <laughs> so, whenever he looks at him and goes like this and doesn't get it, I don't know how that happens. I, I don't know how that is even possible or feasible. There was a couple events in there that were even even small penalties that potentially could stall a complete drive in there have been terrible. But across the board, there was only one good situation, and it was an after the, uh, the discussion oh, thing yeah. where they changed the rule on a catch and they just put the ball down and they moved forward. And I actually tweeted like, hey, after the discussion, I like that. Because the commentators were like, we don't know if that's a discussion with just the refs on the field, if that's back in New York or there's somebody else, but they, it's uh, an effort to expedite the process of getting calls right or something. Is how it was explained. And I was like, let's do that in every fucking game. Yes. Like, why, why don't we have that in every game? That push-off incompletion thing, yep. let's change it. Justin Fields getting a timeout. Let's just immediately, hey, he called a timeout, actually balled down. Here we go. Let's do that. Why can't we continue to do that? Because it seems as if these refs on the field are going to continue to get shit wrong. So what does that mean? Well, we need to invest then in some people that can oversight, that can look in this and expedite. They said they already have it in there with the after discussion. They said there's already a way for somebody to correct it and for them to move on quicker and kind of do their thing. Why aren't we doing that across the board? Because there was refs yesterday fucking up games all over the NFL and it's a real fucking problem these days. It's terrible and I, I still think the most egregious one every single week is the roughing the passer. I know people don't want more reviews but I feel like the roughing the passer should be reviewed. There was a call I, I think it was Browns yeah, it was a Cardinals and game. Cardinals yeah. where they barely touched Kyler Murray and they called it a roughing but it's so bad. Brutal. Well I, it's everything should be reviewed and you said people don't like reviews because it slows down. It doesn't have to because we've already been told that they have after discussion, so they have a direct into the ear. Now nah, pick it up. Let's move forward. Ah, pick it. Ah, that wasn't a rough in the past. So we just saw it because for so long we had these jumbotrons that were in 4K in the stadiums, and you would see coaches and players go, "Look, that's bullshit," and the refs would have to act like they're not allowed to even look. It's like, why don't we just have a ref that's allowed to look that can just radio down, change the calls, make it better? Well, then who do you hire? from that thing. I don't know. Figure it the fuck yeah. out. It's got to be something different than what they've been trying to do in this entire new technological world that can make everything better, but they don't do it. The refs are in it, the, especially with gambling happening now. Yeah. I mean, the conspiracy fodder on these refs, basically, it, it used to be you know, teams hated refs because they got screwed out of there. Now it's not just the team's fans that hate some ref. Now it's fantasy football people. Now it's the sports gambling thing, yeah, which yeah. is going to mm-hmm. be a trillion dollar business. Mm-hmm. Not a bubble. <laughs> That's inside the office joke there. <laughs> Somebody told us that was going to potentially be a bubble when oh, only really? three states were legalized in sports gambling. Mm-hmm. This is a bubble right now, though. It's going to go, nah, nah this is going to be a trillion so. dollar wrong. business. They got to figure out the officials. And I, I agree to uh, Zito's uh, point there. Whenever I said that the Packers got screwed, and then I watched it from the uh, Chicago Bears fan side, they got screwed as well. But I think it's happening all across the league. Everybody's pissed. Mm-hmm. We need to get it figured out. That's something commission worry about, as opposed to taunting penalties and other yeah. shit like that. Now let's bounce over to uh, America's team. Oh hell yeah, Patriots. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Oh, oh yeah. I'm okay. About who you guys played? Okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Cowboys go into New England, and uh, Mike McCarthy tries his absolute best 
to fuck that up but get a massive yeah, win. A couple times. You have to feel good as a Patriots fan, though. Not that there's any, you know, like um, you know, solace and loss. Yeah, moral victories, if you will. Yeah, Doesn't count. there's no moral victories or whatever <laughs> and everything like that, especially in the NFL, especially in New England, I'd assume. Mm-hmm. But it feels like Mac Jones is... He'll step right in there. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Just, just like last year with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, a couple situations would happen, especially against Tom and some other things. He'd go onto the field. He'd answer immediately. It feels like Mac is not scared of the moment. He's good. Who knows? If you guys, you spent $150 million in tampering period. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much more yeah. you have to build up the roster or who's building the roster, or how that whole thing goes. But the Dallas Cowboys get a massive win and cover in overtime against New England. I was pretty excited about that. How do you feel as a Patriot? Yeah, I mean, like you said, Mac Jones, it's great to see. I mean, he got his head taken off of his body on one sack because we had backup tackles. And he popped right back up, came back on the field, played well. I mean, he threw that pick six to Diggs, and then he comes back, throws a 75-yard bomb. And to your point about going. Hey, Trayvon Diggs. Oh, man. He's a ball magnet. He's very yeah. good at football. I had a wild five minutes with Trayvon yeah, Diggs. Yeah. Because Trayvon Diggs, you know, is uncompete with the ball right now. He has seven picks through six weeks. He was tied Rod Woodson, but just last week he was ahead of everybody else. So Rod Woodson must have had like a two, three pick game early in the season. That's just because last week he was the only one that had ever done something. Then this week he's tied with Rod Woodson. Rod Woodson, by the way, stud OG, yeah. Steeler Raider. Love that man. Great company, great conversation to be a part of. Then all of a sudden, the next Literally the next play. Yeah. yeah. He's a part of chasing down somebody. Probably safety's fault. Well, it was a double move and he got beat. Yeah, but safety's probably there to cover him. I believe safety actually had eyes on him. Uh, safety gets flat footed, gets run by. So Trayvon might have got beat there, but I think he wasn't necessarily the only one that was supposed to be covering yeah. O'Borner or whatever. But boy, what a wild run. And that's what a lot of people on the internet said to me. Uh, as soon as I tweeted that Trayvon Diggs is uncompete with the bull right now, yeah. I got a lot of people tweeting me like, he's given up the most yards in the history of cornerbacks or something like that. And it's like, well, he's hit or miss or like all these people. And then literally the next play, he gives up a bomb. Yeah. Optically right over his head. Mm -hmm. That was a wild, wild (laughs) turn of events for me. That was insane. Live with the, uh, live with the sword, die by the sword, I guess. But he's fantastic at finding the ball. Just like Darius Leonard for the Colts, by the way. Always around the ball. Had a fumble recovery and an interception yesterday. And his interception, the ball was literally thrown right to him. So people have to ask, well, is that the quarterback's fault? Or is it Darius Leonard knowing exactly where to go, always being around the ball? Seems like Trayvon Diggs has that same exact skill. Yeah, he's very good. And I think the Cowboys are going to be unbelievable. But Mike McCarthy is going to yes. fuck it up at some point where they're not going to be able End to End of the game he it. tried. It was oh, yeah. almost like Belichick looked at the decision he made with like 29 seconds. Seconds left to kick the field goal or whatever to tie it up, yes. and Bill was like, "All right, that's bad for football." We were, <laughs> this, you were supposed to. Everybody knows on Earth knows you wait till about five seconds. If you're going to kick it on this particular play, everybody. We didn't know what was going to happen. What decision was going to make? I can't believe Mike McCarthy seems lost, and that wasn't his only one. No, in the first half there was like two, three things he did that was mm-hmm. like, "Does this guy not know fucking football?" He went for it in his own territory in the first, first drive, drive yeah. right at the twenty-nine, the thirty-four. Yeah. yeah, this is like the Zach Taylor thing. Whenever they're up fourteen, it's like, who the fuck is making these decisions here? It made no sense. And the Pats had like three plays scoring. All of a sudden, it's seven nothing. What he did was incredible. And then end of the half or right before the half, yeah, uh, Dak Prescott clearly scored a touchdown on third and goal oh, yeah. and oh, then yeah. they don't challenge it and then the next play he fumbles it and you know <laughs> they don't get anything like it makes no sense if you're Dallas you should really consider like hey let's keep Kellen Moore and let's just tell Mike hey but thanks for everything pal. maybe maybe but also I think they should just have somebody telling Mike McCarthy yeah. how to game manage there's people that have it now I think it's a head coach's job 
Yeah. I think it is a head coach's <laughs> yeah. job. That is one of your jobs is to manage the game. But there are some teams around the league that have somebody who is the game manage expert or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would assume, by the way, Ernie was a part of these decisions mm-hmm. that were being made with Bill. Not that Bill needs anything. But maybe he does need... Or maybe they already have one, and they need to get rid of that fucking whoever True. it is. They need to get rid of the fucking consultant advisor on game managing. Because there was like six, seven decisions yesterday where it was like, what are you doing, Big Mike? What an absolute stu- Do you not... Do you not know football? Oh, Mike. <laughs> there was reason to ask that question. There was a lot of doubt casted out there by a lot of people on old Big Mike McCarthy's football IQ. Go ahead, Nick. Pat, if he's not calling the plays... And he's not managing the game. Oh, you don't know what it's like to be. A What's he doing besides smashing watermelons in the locker room? Hey, well, that's a big part of it. They're winning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, they should have won. Dak throws a pick in the end zone, a fumble in the end zone. I mean, yeah. there's 14 points literally left on the board, at yeah. least 10 left on the board. Greg misses uh, that kick, yep. 53 yarder, because Justin Bethel comes over. Now, Tony Romo was, I think, was trying to describe why that would miss. I think the easiest way to describe is if you're going to kick and in your view you see somebody much closer than ever, It's I think it's natural that you're going to either try to go around and I don't know if Greg did this on purpose or not, but you could just see how a, uh, like a sublim, I don't know. You could see how his mind would mentally want to be like oh, we got to get a little bit left. You yeah. see it all the time where pressure does affect kicks. Even if they're not getting to the ball, just getting in the eyesight and being closer is something. Get Greg obviously bounces back there, but I thought that was a pretty good point made by old Corona Tony. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, he was so boozed up on Thursday that he didn't decide to drink on Friday or Saturday, so he was in the zone for Sunday. I don't know. That's not what a lot of people are saying about his game on Sunday. Yeah, I I thought he might have been liquored up on Sundays. No, Corona Tony? Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure, but I mean, you know, when you see 48 Corona commercials, it's like, okay, well, Tony's had 100 of them in the booth. Like It's starting to kind of spill through. I think Jim's getting sick of it. He is. Yeah, Because I've heard a little bit more coming out of this conference because there are some other people that were there and Jim Nance was very angry at Tony Romo on that. In the videos that I've seen, Jim was not exactly thrilled with no. the performance of Tony Romo from said conference, but that conference has disappeared from the internet. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting how that works for old well, Tony Romo. Oh, and it's 10,000 a plate. I assume those yeah. people yeah. Uh, tighten things up pretty quickly. Well, I know a lot of people weren't happy about him saying, you know, rich people tell your drivers to wait, poor people, you know, get a ride home with the rich people. And Who said that? Tony Romo into the mic at this thing, and it was for, like, underprivileged kids. It was like, hey, Tony, that's not funny, pal. You prick. <laughs> oh, no. I was just joking, Jim. I didn't mean that. I was just joking. <laughs> and they had to send someone up. Get his ass off the stage right now, please. Man. All happened. Not not hyperbole here. This verbatim. is not overreaction this money. This is not overreaction money. Me saying fire MCDC, yeah, overreaction. Thank you. Tony Romo being a drunk stooge and saying that shit, all real. All right. <laughs> Now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes, it's not come too quick. Oh, (laughs) here we go. That is not what they had in their copy. Okay. <laughs> they should. That was, I think they're going in a different direction. So let's go back a sentence or two. Okay. Okay. When you, when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes. And guess what? Ha! Huh. 
lasted a long time. Banging up, banging up, banging up. Yeah, it's Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. Boom. That's right. Dingers. Downtown. Bingo. David Population you, dude. Hell yeah. Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. That's huge. Free? The shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the yes, medication. Free no. two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. Cool. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. Connor at Ty Schmidt. Uh, at Ty Schmidt, diehard Packer fan, obviously got a chance to go up to Chicago and watch Aaron own the Chicago Bears and tell the Chicago Bears that Aaron Rodgers owns the Chicago Bears. Uh, At Boston Corner, got a chance to watch the Patriots lose to the Cowboys in a thrilling fashion just yesterday. The Dallas Cowboys leaving a blatant 14 points on the board in the end zone with timely turnovers for the New England Patriots defense. Still an absolute banger of a game. The Patriots, you know, this record might end up not being great over there, yeah. uh, but it feels like the future might be bright with Mac Jones under the helm. And uh, obviously, Ton Diggs is here. Pittsburgh Steelers are all the way back. Ain't oh, that yeah. right? Love Sunday night football games. <laughs> How come? I don't even think there should be 8 o'clock football games. I Whoa! think oh, one and four, and then let's just fucking go to bed, okay? Let's do yes. 10. And then it, Let's you, do 10, 1, and 4. Sure. Because yes. at 10, the Rams had to play at 10 a.m. Sure. These, the Chargers had to play at 10 a.m. Two very different outcomes. Mm-hmm. You're making teams already play at 10 a.m. there. T- now, all the players in the NFL right now are looking at me as somebody who <laughs> yeah. a majority of the time, I feel like a large majority of the time, I'm on their side. Okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. go to bat for them all the time. Pitching at 10 a- this is something if I was playing – would have been the loudest <laughs> person against. But to your point, what you're saying is a selfish fan now. I mean, it's impossible to make through those games and then expect to have an actual job or life the next day. Overtime. 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 They all go to overtime. I will DVR it. I watch it in the morning or whatever, but by that point, I've already woken up and seen on my bets whether yeah, or not it's exactly. I haven't got a chance to go. So I literally spoil every single Sunday night football game for myself, but I have to watch it back to like, TJ Watt's a fucking animal. Yeah. Presley Harvin's an absolute <laughs> stud. Uh, Boswell seems to be all the way back. Tomlin saying, get the fuck to a ref is awesome. I mean, it was magical. And that's not what you see if you just fall asleep and see the score. You don't see the entire game, which is what I like watching. You're right. Those late night games stink. Joining us now is a man who might feel the same exact way as us, but also know that if we were to be openly pitching for 10 a.m. games all year, (laughs) this would become an anti-player show Mm -hmm. just by doing that immediately. Joining us, college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, Ryder Cup champion, ladies and gentlemen, AJ Hall. What's up, dude? 
What's happening? Was, you, you couldn't stay up for the game last night? I actually saw it live. It was one of the few that I finished, and I'm glad I did stay up. So that's probably because you took a mid-afternoon nap while you're driving your kids around town. But <laughs> did, did, do you stay up for those late-night games all the time? Or no? I, I've had trouble this year. I'll miss the fourth quarter almost every single time. I have to set ahead DVR all those games because, like, the first game got me. I'm like, oh, shit. I, I missed <laughs> the entire second half of that thing. I can't do it. I'm just too old. I guess it's the old guy in me now at this point. I, mean, I don't know. It depends for me, honestly. It kind of depends on the game. Sometimes like the game will uh, dictate if I stay up or not, but I had a feeling last night. Uh, I believe I picked Seattle. I'm sure my picks were terrible, but I think I no. won at least that game maybe. You were good. I think you were 8-5. and five. Fucking hey, 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 go, go, hey, the prognosticator, AJ, I was 10-3. and three. Uh, oh. Oh. You should start selling picks, man. You've been killing it. No, no, no. I don't need to sell the picks, okay? I just feel as if if you're going 8-5 and five, and I'm going 10-3 and three, and the hammered down boys are on the positive sides of things, mm. I feel like this is a great place to potentially listen to some stuff. I yeah. think. Good now, stuff. hockey talk, I don't know what's going to happen with hockey talk. They're only like two weeks in. That is Wednesday night at 8 o'clock at YouTube.com forward slash That's Hockey Talk. They're live. I don't know if they're going to be giving out picks. They do it on hammered down or whatever, but it feels like we're at the point now where we know some shit. And you said you probably did terrible. Eight and five is great. There was blowouts. There was tight games. It was an incredible NFL week six Sunday, I think, personally. Yeah, it was. And I'm sure Gumpy has probably already hit on this. It was all like kickstarted because the Jags-Dolphins game was unbelievable. And the Jags found a way to get their first win of the year over Gump's Dolphins. Matt, we talked about it in the first hour uh, more than we probably should have because both these teams... Uh, are deemed snoozable to everybody that doesn't care about these two teams, which is why it was fascinating that I did find myself glued to the television at about 11 o'clock in the morning to see what the hell Urban Meyer was going to... A lot of bend overhead. Oh, oh, yeah. A lot of bend overhead. Don. Does guy ever watch a fucking game, dude? He can't. I don't know. That is, that is kind of his thing. I mean, he's stressed out. Is he praying? Is he meditating? What's happening right now? Or is he fantasizing? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. I'm trying to decide. Oh, you know what? Hey, what, what? (laughs) He's fantasizing about winning. What, what? That's what he's fantasizing. Or about that caboose in section 132. Yeah, I figure he's bending over because he's trying to decide. Do I stay another night? Do I fly home with the team? Whatever the case, Trevor Lawrence, hell of a football player. It's awesome to watch him play. Uh, Him on the move. He looks very athletic. He's smooth. They got some players down there. Who is that? Uh, Joe? No. Yeah. Marvin Jones. Jones. Marvin Jones. Made a couple plays down there. And and to be fair, this is, since our Thursday night football game, this is the only time I've seen them on TV. I've seen more Urban Meyer at his chop house than I've seen Jacksonville Jaguar football. That's right. Okay, so this is is coming from a very ignorant state of mind or whatever. And they they have a terrible kicking situation, I guess. Uh Lambo Lombo is very good. I don't know what happened. He probably got fed up with the whole situation mentally. He said... (laughs) Get me the hell out of here. I'm going to start missing kicks. I don't know what happened, whatever the case is, but I enjoyed watching that game. Tua had, you know, glimpses of greatness, had a couple bad decisions that were made. And then, obviously, anytime you need a 54 and a 52-yarder back-to-back to win that thing, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. That was a great London game, I think, to start the entire uh, Sunday. Other than that, your big storyline coming out of, the, uh, of yesterday is that the Cowboys get a big win in New England, which – Connor told me during the break. Yeah, it's much different playing in New England now. They're 0-4 at home. Okay, so that whole Foxborough thing, which I experienced. Yeah, Tom Brady's not there anymore. 
Yeah, so so now we do have an answer, it seems like, on was it Bill or was it Tom? Oh. Seems like the home field, not in the whole thing, not in the whole thing. It's both, it's both of them, but yes, Tom is making the plays. In the home field advantage situation, it was also people potentially over-preparing for Tom Brady or Tom Brady potentially being this mythical figure that maybe just... He already has a step up on a lot of teams coming in because a lot of the teams coming in, all the defensive players are like, man, I grew up watching this dude, this is Tom Brady, and then they're already behind a little bit. What's that called? Hmm. Mystique, right? Yeah. The mystique of Foxborough was always talked about. It was very hard to win up there. And I was very pumped for the Cowboys going in there, especially in the way that they did. They cover. Let's fucking What a game. Go, dude. A, are you kidding me? Like, that game, I thought it was ended multiple times. Like, that yeah. was awesome. Me too. Uh, especially with the two timely turnovers by that Patriots defense. It felt like that was maybe a game. Like, oh, of course, this is how the Patriots win. You make your own mistakes. You fumble it in the end zone. You throw it in the interceptions in the end zone. You're about to score. You leave points on the board. Your coach makes terrible, terrible game management decisions. What the fuck is Big Mike McCarthy's problem? You know him a lot better than I do. The only thing I know about him is probably what he likes to eat, drink, and the way he talks and acts because he is a yinzer. But he was making some decisions that made me think he knows nothing about football, the flow of football, or what you should do. Is that What is that all about? Do you think that's him, somebody telling him to make these decisions? How did this happen, you think? I, I mean, I don't know what, like, okay, what Time decisions exactly decisions. are you talking about? But he, I know he's, his clock management, yes, has been suspect <laughs> so far this year. Like, what else did he do? Well, no there was challenge. also a decision to go for it. The challenge, there was a decision to go for it on a fourth and one on your first drive on your own 32 or something like that. I forget exactly the thing. They don't get it, obviously. Patriots go and score. You get that. You look like you're aggressive. And if that was his only decision of the day that was kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? I think people would let it slide. And I think some Cowboys fans said this has maybe been happening. But then the lack of a challenge that could have happened when they scored a touchdown and had to turn over the next time. Timeout at the end. If you're going to kick it, you know you're going to kick it. Let that thing run all the way down to five seconds so there's not even a thought of the Patriots who Bill Belichick, I think, thought Mike disrespected the game so much. Like, I think Bill Belichick actually thought, this dude has disrespected NFL football so bad, we'll just run this thing out. We won't even try, because they had like 20-some seconds. They could have yeah. ran a couple, boom, 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 and maybe gotten a field goal range. They didn't even try to do it, I think, because Bill was so alarmed at the decision that was made on the other side of the field. This isn't college football. That's what I think a lot of people are alluding to while watching it. Like, will Big Mike fuck this up for the Dallas Cowboys? And has he always been like this? Do you think he knows he's like this or no? I mean, I don't know. There's all like every coach has at least one person, usually multiple people that are in their ear that are paying attention to all of those like game management situations. Like, hey, here we go. If we get one first down, we're going to take our, our second time out of the quick, all that stuff. They want to plan ahead. I don't know who's in his ear. I don't know exactly what's going on. Maybe he's going a little bit analytics, a little bit instincts. And I don't know. We're trying to see if you can figure it out. I don't know if the analytics told him he should kick the field goal and let 20-some seconds sit on the, the clock. We need to stop it with the analytics. Yeah. yeah. We need to stop it. Okay, I get it. Go for two, down 14. All right. I mean, touchdown's always been worth six, an extra point seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, 14 has always been a number. All right, mm-hmm. we're with – there's two scores. That's all you need. Don't need to do anything crazy. Just need to get two scores. But the analytics have said you're much more likely to pick up one of two two-point conversions back-to-back than you definitely – I don't know how the analytics say definitely making the two extra points. I, I still don't know how a lot of these I'm realizing right now, right in front of everybody's eyes. I have no idea how any of these fucking analytics add up because you can make analytics shape any narrative you want. And I think there are great analytics and stats people out there. Okay, and I'm, this is going on a different tangent as opposed to Big Mike <laughs> fucking up a lot of time, fourth down decision. What? 
challenge decision. What? I mean, I don't know how many more there are on the coach fuck up game management stuff, but he made three of them and a big win on the road. Like that that normally doesn't happen against the New England Patriots to your decision. But the stats, who picks and chooses chooses which stats matter? You know, who picks and, and how come some of these coaches are are literally fearing for the absolute worst thing on earth to happen when they're trying to game plan and think of plays. But then if they see a stat that's like 52%, they're like, yeah, 48% okay. failure. But 52% says, let's fucking go. I mean, you're not going to get those types of numbers. That is, it's interesting on how those are being painted and who's painting the picture to the decision makers, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a, I don't know how long, like, will this conversation continue about analytics and how coaches, like, deploy how they use their whoever is on their staff because I don't see it going away and it's always going to be there's going to be a judgment call coming from whoever is in charge like take all the information out hey if you want to play give our team the best chances like you want to play the odds odds say this gives us the best chance and the coach reads the games like no like it's not look at a quarterback look at this dude's on fire like we're going to go for it or whatever like that's I guess what's always going to happen well you got to hope I guess that your stat because this is a broad brush it sounds like and it is overreaction Monday, so oh, that's yeah. that's going to happen. But we don't mean it to be because there are incredible stats people out there. And stats are very important to a lot of decisions. But what happens if your stats person doesn't necessarily have the the best interest for the team uh, in their in their mind? Or, mm. or maybe for the stats they want to cook something? I'm not saying that would happen. And they're an incredibly good talker. Imagine if Big Mike's got this uh, super nerd in his ear. Yeah. And the super nerd, whoever it is, uh, just wants like feels like this is the right answer, even though they might not have known football. And I'm not saying Big Mike would hire somebody to do this, but what if they're a great talker? And in that quick time, they're like, this is why you got to do it. They did this in this particular situation. It's like, oh, fuck it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. You know, I just, I, it, there's going to That's part of it. That's part of it, isn't it? Like, and if you have, let's say you have three people that are analytics people for your, your staff, don't you think they want to justify their job and they want to insert themselves at times to where the coach actually chooses to do something that he normally would not have done. And I think a lot of these decisions that end up happening actually put the good statistic statisticians. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now look. Analytic people in higher regard than the bad ones. This yeah. is because it's like, I think a lot of teams know and hear that other people are in bringing in analytics and the stat people and mathematists and statisticians into their building to help them make decisions. So every building's like, oh, fuck it. We got to get our nerds in here then. We got to get our, and they're just hiring nerds. You know, who knows if it's the right nerds though. This is just like big companies that know they're supposed to get in social media. And it's like, we got to hire somebody from social media. They must just be younger person. They must be good at social media. And then everybody's like, Dah. This, this is a bad social media. This is bad numbers. Like, you need, I guess, a good nerd to come in and say, hey, these are bad numbers. Mm -hmm. They're painting the wrong picture because that's what, that's what numbers do. They paint pictures. They're additives to narratives. That's literally what numbers and stats and analytics are, right? I mean, that is basically how they're used. And it's like, what happens if those are in – what if that decision is in the wrong hands with somebody who's a very good talker and all of a sudden you've got coaches like 65 years old who's – yeah, fucking numbers, say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that might be happening, right? Right in front of our eyes. I assume as we grow older, and you've heard Staley break down the usage of numbers and which ones, the pressures actually we found, that stat matters a lot more than another stat that was potentially created by somebody that never played football or was in football but saw that this was a potential stat. It's just a, because every decision that's made, you got to think to yourself, was it a stats person that made this decision? Was it this? What was it? It's wild. That's, an, that's another layer to the NFL that has just made it so much more intriguing in my eyes, AJ. 
it's always going to be a balance, though, don't you think? All right, coach has to take in all of the facts, everything, all the stats they give him, but then it's always going to be a judgment call on whoever makes that decision in the moment, too, and you don't always have very much time. And you would think coaches like – Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, listen, did you hear that? Yeah. What? How many people get the coach's ear first? Mm-hmm. You know, and those challenges to see, because imagine if you're the analytics person and I'm like the football guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were just in, 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 in what coaches, who gets the first dibs? You're right. Yeah, I guess they, hopefully, they, like the good coaches have a plan for that. And they, good coaches are probably, you That's know, crazy. they're like three quarters ahead where they continue to think ahead of what's coming. And then, but yeah, you're right. If you're trying to call down to the head coach, who does, how does it get to him first when you have nine different people that want to talk to him and give their opinion? That's, it's fascinating. Like, it legitimately is because on the We should day- ask Chuck sometime. Yeah, but Chuck being the head coach was how many years ago? You know, three yeah. years ago? He, I'm not saying just analytics, right? but just 16? coaches in general. Like, how do you know? Who, does D coordinator get the first dibs? Like, who oh. gets the first call to you? Oh, for challenges and shit like that. Like, like who- all, yeah, if you know, like, these guys up top, they see it. But Chuck hasn't said, like, hey, what do you guys see up there? He's talking to somebody else. Other guys are calling in. Who gets chuck's ear right away and who's like put on hold three coaches back uh, it's interesting Dixon. you brought up brandon staley yesterday i was watching the ravens and the Chargers game now the ravens were the better team all day so i don't know if it makes a difference but 14 nothing first quarter brandon staley goes for it in his own and or in his own own half of the own half um obviously they don't get it Ravens score then he's down in the second quarter it's 24 7 i think like and he also go, he goes from it on his from his own 19 doesn't get it Obviously, the Ravens score after that, too, and that's the, uh, that was that's the, game, the end of the over. game. Yeah. Game is over. Do the stats indicate that, or do they just show, oh, one particular time they didn't get it? Does it Does it then show, like, all oh, game's over now, too? Does that yeah. count as, like, maybe three in that particular one there? Or, you know, I just – it's fascinating in the game that anything can happen, that trends are always going to be a thing. But unless something's 100 to zero, I honestly don't know how you can – I can believe anything. Let's move on. AJ, the refs stink, dude. Oh, it bad. is worse than ever before. That Packers-Bears game, I put out an early tweet that the Packers got fucked, which they did, to be clear. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they did a you couple times. more. But to Zito's point, <laughs> it did seem like the Bears were taking an equal share of fucking yeah. by, from the refs in that particular game. And that wasn't the only game, AJ. It was across the entire NFL. This is continuing to be a conversation piece here on Overreaction Monday. They had an after-discussion situation that happened on a field of a national game. And I think it was the Sunday Night Football game, actually. After discussion, they decided to change it from a non-catch to a catch. They moved along. The commentator, who was Tarico. Interesting game, him and Collinsworth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He he immediately uh, described that they don't know if that's a conversation with just the refs on the field, or if New York's involved, or if there's a sky judge type thing looking at that hawk cam or whatever hawk vision that we talked about them using before. And they picked it up, they moved forward. There was no to do, no conversation. And I was like, why aren't we doing that in every game, AJ? What the fuck is going on? Why is that not everywhere? I, I when we talked about this months and months ago. I feel like we both said, hey, if, if they in New York, whatever, if they see it, if they know what it is, they just need to radio down and let's go. Let's keep it moving. If it's that obvious, maybe is that what happened here, I guess? And why can the league, do they not say that they are being advised from New York and calls like in real time when they're not looking in the little, their little baby uh, monitor that they check out? Uh, it was, by the way, that one we saw in that college game was absurd. We were in, <laughs> we were in Jerry like World. Yeah. He's there, looking at this thing. And he was, <laughs> It made weird. That thing has a 95 yard 8K award winning 
headline-making jumbotron yeah. that every player that plays there that's on the sideline, instead of watching the game, is literally just watching up at the sideline. And the ref was reviewing something, looking at this little tiny monitor, and that thing was just staring right over his head. That was the first game I ever got a chance to call. It was with AJ and uh, Sean. Sure. Paul. Oh, AJ. Come on, play-by-play Dude, I was trying to come on. You're terrible, man. He's a good guy. He does the Hornets basketball. Sean Kelly. What's your Sean Kelly? Yeah, Sean Kelly. Sean Kelly. Yeah, Sean. Who'd you? What'd you say? I said Sean. Yeah, yeah. You said. You said sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't know. Fucking remember talking. I was thinking about something else. Anyways, he was a good guy. We only encountered him one day though, so I don't think he was awesome. I don't think he would expect you, but we immediately as soon as that happens. Why is he not looking just right up there? And then we get signaled in, by the way. Nah, take it easy on the review conversation. Okay. Then they zoom out. And a lot of people dress like seats here at this end. Yes. And they're like, uh, please keep it. Please don't talk about the amount of people that are here. Uh, okay. All right. This whole thing. But you're right. The review thing has always been a problem optically for me because they go into that tiny little thing. But Mike Tarico in the moment, actually said, we don't know if they're just talking on the field or back to New York. So I don't think we knew that until that particular line was stated that New York was maybe dropping in on the conversation. To be clear, I like it. I hope that continues to happen. And why does it have to be in New York? Have somebody in the goddamn stadium in their own little sweeter box thing with that Hawkeye vision that has every single angle that the television production company, whatever, is shooting right on cue with an Xbox being able to review it just like they did in XFL. Why are we not? I thought that's what we were doing. So they said that they did do it in a game. How is that not happening on the push-off uh, feed inbounds in Green Bay? How is that not happening? with the timeout with Justin Fields. How is it not happening everywhere? I just don't understand how it's not happening everywhere if it is happening in one place. The refs stink. Let's help them out. It's not their fault. Everything's moving very fast. Big people hitting people. It's a physical sport, but there's penalties against physicality. It is tough. We have the means to help them. Why don't we do that so these people don't continue to get, what, their lives threatened, booed out of stadiums, changing games. There's a lot of money being bet. Why is that not happening, AJ? Are they trying to protect the refs? Are they trying to say, like, the refs don't need help and you want to keep it, like, part Uh, of the game and you don't need daddy watching over top making decisions for you and them looking? Does it, like, take it – I guess does it take power away from them? They don't feel empowered to feel confident making calls if they know everything – it could get buzzed in their ear right away, and they're not really doing anything there. Well, then just have a bonus or a score system set up so we can find out who the best ref is so then they can turn it into mm-hmm. a competition as opposed to a slight. You know, they do, though. They do keep – they do public. grade them, I guess. What's Scoreboard. That? Public. Oh, make them public. Okay, well, I guess it's kind of public because the, the best crews get put on playoffs and Super Bowls, though, right? Yeah, so these motherfuckers are already being judged. Yeah. Hey, by the way, rule number three of the four agreements, dude <laughs> – don't take anything personal. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're just trying to move this thing forward. And make, we're trying to help you out so you don't have to live such miserable lives. If you are a recognizable ref, your life is much different before and after a terrible call towards a city. Okay? Like, yeah. your, your, your entire yeah. life. Why not just give them at least the opportunity so we don't have to talk about it all the fucking time with, like, hey, this team got screwed, this team got screwed. Because there's, once again, 
there's going to be trillions of dollars in the sports gambling business world, okay? Yeah. Once all these companies go public, and who knows what that means, by the way. Nobody does, <laughs> mm -mm. okay? Uh, nobody knows why and who goes to what they go. And we're only at, what, 10 states or something like that? Yeah. Even, there's still going to go. There's going to be, like, I mean, the amount of money that's going to be on games, especially with how much more enjoyable games are whenever you have five to my wife hit an 11 leg parlay yesterday yeah 11 leg parlay Jeez. she views it as like a little casino scratch off whenever she's being forced to watch all these games with me basically she's like oh i might as well go to the casino at least a little 11 like she won't tell me shit by the way before the game because this is two weeks in a row last week she had like a seven or eight leg parlay Damn. she's a money line parlay better so she wants like every game and i think she has maybe one or two of them so she can at least stay interested if one of her teams fucks up but i'll ask her i'm like who are we betting on today and she's like, i can't tell you i'm like what the fuck dude like i thought we were supposed to you know be a couple that were supposed to be in this thing together as soon as i say i'm allowed to lose and she's been by the way She's been winning. That's all she's yeah. been doing lately. But it makes games. She loves football so much more now. She was a Colts fan. She enjoyed the Colts, right, because she's in the city. She, I think she loved football, but she's not going to be watching a random college football game on a Tuesday night. Then all of a sudden, if there's some good boost that she sees and there's a chance that some person from a school she's never heard of is going to hit, she's like, let's fucking go. Let's watch. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm not taking that, but you can. Yeah, and she'll hit and she'll win. It's just once that thing opens up, now, granted, there's always going to be people that fuck it up, okay? And we hope you are not one of those people. Please do not abuse this because abuse leads to restriction. And there's so many regulations right now trying to keep everybody to have a What do you mean, though? You mean people spending all their money and going bankrupt and ruining their lives or something yes. else? Yes. And that's the difference, I think, between, like, the, um, the corner bookie and a couple corner bookies and, like, the regulated sports books. Because now if you up your bet amount or do something that seems that they risk or deem risky or whatever, your account's getting shut down. And it's like you can't even get in without Wait, what's like, risky? Like what would be considered risky? So like for instance, I think that guy who uh, had that massive parlay a couple weeks ago, he wanted to hedge against his bet. He was trying to bet $30,000, but he never bets anywhere near that amount of money. So as soon as he put that money in there, they were like, no way. We have no idea where this money's coming from, what you're potentially putting. So like the regulations are very, very strict. And once this gambling gets going, I think people are going to fall in love with it. They never thought they'd fall in love with it just because it adds something to a game. And you, a buck, like my wife's betting bucks and winning like 60 some dollars yeah. and stuff. Like, like it's just, it makes sports a lot better. As that continues to grow nationwide, they're going to have to figure out this ref thing. Hey, they are going to have to figure that out. Is there, it, there, you got some people pissed, but if you got blatant calls ruining games, which has happened. It's going to be dangerous. It's going to oh, be very dangerous oh, yeah. for these officials because you know how crazy people are, especially people that gamble tons of money on any sport. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so why don't we help them? Yeah, exactly. Well, you can empower them I and mean, also make their job easier by like, hey, I'll just call it this way. I know no matter what, there's going to be a review and it's going to be right. So even if I'm wrong on the field, I won't actually affect the game. And also, you should say, give, empower them enough to say uh, with the open mic, hey, yeah. <clears throat> That last one was reviewed, by the way, and I was right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. just go yeah. back into it, you know? I think the Texas ref this past weekend was very good. I, I, and I wrote that note in my head to remind <laughs> myself. 
He had personality. He explained some situations that happened. Something happened where he was like, boom, this happened, so this couldn't happen. And then he just kind of – because you're managing the game almost. Mm -hmm. And you're managing expectations and what you saw. And I think he knew that somebody was going to question it. Oh, uh, It was an intention, a potential intentional grounding is what it was. I'm remembering it right now. And he threw – the guy threw it into the ground, it seemed like. But number 18 was clearly there. But the audience, the crowd was rumbling a little bit. They were starting to get a little bit. So before they could even get too pissed, he was like, not intentional grounding because 18 was in the thing or whatever. And then he turned it off. And it was like, as soon as I heard it, I was like, that should happen more often. Like, yeah. that is crowd control. That is like, you're letting people know why you're making the decisions that are potentially fucking up the game, why you're doing it. I, like, I think that should almost be promoted. We don't need a full stand up. Okay, I don't need a hot five. No. But if you want to at least elaborate a little bit on your decisions, I think that would help. Was too. he a younger guy? Like a younger looking guy? I think so. Michael uh, Vandervelt, I believe, is his name. Hey. Get him in the big league. If, right if, if old Vandervelt is the guy that it was that I saw, keep it going, dude. It was awesome. Well, and that's what, like, you know it's a problem when it's just an expectation going into every game. Like, hey, the refs are going to fucking suck. Like, you know, every year it's like, oh, yeah, the officiating in this game or this game was bad. It's terrible league-wide. And AJ's talking about, like, the self-contained thing. Like, it's, it's not baseball where, like, a strike zone, every guy has a little bit different. Like, when you're taking touchdowns off the board that are touchdowns, like, that can't fucking happen. So, like, if it if it means that you need the call to come down from New York or whatever, like, that's just part of the deal. Like, these guys, I mean, what are these guys going to, you know, their feelings going to get hurt because they look like idiots doing it? It's like you make a mistake, you move on, you're going to get killed if it doesn't get corrected. You meant guys, by the way, as a... Yeah, refs. Yeah, refs. Yeah. yeah, that was just a... Because there are some incredible... Women ref, I, I think, mm-hmm. that are actually... Like, Bruce Arians was getting in somebody. Some... It was a young woman was uh, the line judge on his side. And I remember him going. And I almost wanted her to, like, uh, have... She did not budge, did not... I was, like, interested how that whole situation would go. Because there are some people that are very mean to refs. <laughs> very, very... Uh, a lot of people. <laughs> very mean to refs. I would say, what is it? 90-10 people that are terrible to refs compared to people that are just okay i guess oh, terrible <laughs> compared to indifferent that's basically the 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 abuse that they get pretty and, much and i think that's why i always consider myself a pro ref person which is why every time i started burying alberto riveron i never understood why everybody keeps saying that i am the loudest uh, voice against the refs because i think all the refs in the nfl that when i played understood that i was actually uh an ally of theirs. Hey, good call. This type of stuff yeah. I would actually treat. But whenever I see blatant mistakes, it's like, I how are we not? Because that's how much respect I have for officiating. They are a big part of the game. And it never gets talked about. Remember, whenever we had the replacement refs there, that was oh. almost oh. league ender. Yeah. That was almost like league ender. And it, it got to the point where I think a lot of people witnessed that, realized that. And then now we're right back to square one. And uh, we need some people. We- <laughs> Joining us now for the first time ever, a man who has been in my dream smoke circle probably my entire existence. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Heisman winner, founder of Heisman Marijuana. Ladies and gentlemen, NFL legend and icon, Ricky Williams. What up, dude? Hey, what's going on? Thank you for joining. This is a dream of ours. I want to let you know that we can't thank you enough for joining us on this beautiful overreaction Monday, Ricky. 
No, I'm enjoying it. I mean, just checking it out for the past couple of seconds. Uh, I'm feeling you guys. <laughs> yeah, well, we're mocking the drunks, obviously. You have to do that and overreact on a Monday after an NFL Sunday. And it is very, very cool to be chatting with you. And, Ricky, I know that you had an incredible football career. Okay, you're an absolute superstar stud at Texas. And then when you got in the NFL, same thing. But the conversation is always around marijuana uh, whenever you talk about Ricky. Because you took a stand long before anybody else about this herb, this thing that has grown, this plant that can make the world a better place. Now you're doing it in your own cannabis line with Heisman and the world seems to be changing. Do you look at yourself as a pioneer? Do you view yourself that way? Or have you just always kind of spoke your truth? Well, I think anyone who speaks their truth becomes becomes a pioneer. You know, I, I think it's it's so much easier to just, you know, go along with the flock and take the safe path. But uh, as much as I've tried to do that, I never could. So um, eventually I just decided to be myself. And, yeah, I have become a pioneer. And I think at first a pioneer by my actions, but the pioneers that go ahead, they actually have the experiences and gain the wisdom. So I feel like I've learned so much uh, because I have been ahead of the curve. And it's great to to launch this brand and, and to get my story, which is not just my story, but a whole lot of people's story out there. How many people were telling you that you were wasting your life you were making bad decisions. I think I watched some documentaries where you almost had to isolate yourself through a lot of uh, portions of your life because I assume how many people were telling you how dumb you were and how you were wasting away and everything like that. Was that happening? Yeah, I mean, I, this idea of isolating myself. Yeah, I found that when I was by myself, you know, <laughs> the inner voices were much more uh, empowering than the outer voices. Um, and the truth is, no one to my face told me that I was, you know, making poor decisions. But, you know, that was the buzz. That was the buzz around me. Um, and I think ultimately in life, you know, over and over again, you know, we're forced to choose between what the world expects from us and what we expect from ourselves. Golly, that's awesome. Well, How did you start smoking weed? Um, it's, it's funny because when I was about 13, uh, I was introduced to, uh, to Bob Marley. And... It had nothing to do with smoking. It was really his message and just, you know, just the normal difficult things of growing up. I just found a lot of inspiration in what he was talking about and it just resonated with me. Uh, but, I, but you know, I grew up in the 80s, so I was told that, you know, if you smoke, you're going to be a loser. So I didn't. And so there was this kind of this paradox where I love Bob Marley. All I did was listen to his music, but I didn't understand why this person I idolized talked about cannabis all the time but it was a negative thing until you know my reputation preceded me and one of the kids in high school said hey do you want to smoke and trying to be the cool kid I pretended like I had uh, so we went to his house and smoked at lunch and uh, like most people I coughed my lungs out and uh, and I didn't get it you know I didn't get it but several years you know in the future I was in college going through a difficult time I think this is the key Going through a difficult time, I couldn't sleep, I was obsessing over my ex, and my roommate suggested that I smoke, and I did, and it was the only thing that worked to keep me from obsessing. And it, and not only did it keep me from obsessing, it, it gave me perspective and allowed me to look at the situation differently, and that was extremely valuable to me. And so I found that through the course of my life, whenever I was stuck or having difficulty, cannabis really helped open my mind and, and give me perspective. And and, and that's really, you know, how, how I became a fan of it. Uh, and that's really what Heisman is about. 
You know, it, it's it, it's a coincidence that I won the Heisman Trophy, in it, but it's it's interesting part of my story because one of the things, you know, that I was most afraid of in my life was that people would find out that I smoked and tried to hide it, and it finally broke, you know, in the news, and it was embarrassing, and I, you know, I thought my life was over, and once I stopped fighting it and started embracing it and being myself, it's turned into something that's positive. And I think that's the story that can resonate with everybody. Um, and, and that's really what Heisman is all about. It's about being your higher self. Yeah. Well, it's, by the way, that was amazing. Jesus, that was awesome. I can't thank you enough for joining us and talking like that. But back in the day, and by back in the day, I mean like 10 years ago, not even, even, even shorter than that, marijuana was considered just as bad as every other drug in some people's eyes. It made no sense to me. I've always viewed cannabis as a, uh, like a secret weapon of mine. It has made me better at almost everything that I have tried to accomplish while smoking cannabis for you. Did it make you a better football player, you think? It made me a better person. You know, so this, this is interesting. You know, I, you know, I mentioned just briefly this idea of this battle between external expectations, internal expectations. And I think sometimes when we sell our soul for external expectations, we might have more what looks like success on the outside, mm. but a lot of times we're empty on the inside. Mm. And I think the key to life is finding, that, is finding that balance. And cannabis helped me find that balance where I was able to thrive in my personal life, in my internal life, in my spiritual life, and I was also able to have a lot of success as a football player. It, you know, it, it took a while to find that balance, but, but I did. And so it made me, and it makes me uh, a better person. You know, they ask that question, like, are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? You know, and it's definitely the second one in almost every single sense of the word in life. Uh, and it's nice to know that you have found that. And Heisman has become, I assume, a passion project for you. Is what, it, what, what happens on the day-to-day? -day? Do you still watch football at all? Um, I, you know, if it's on, but I'm so busy. You know, I'm so busy with Heisman. And, and my passion project is, is, is a project called Leela. Uh, you know, my, my day job is I'm a professional astrologer. And, uh, and Lila's My Passion Project is an app I'm creating to help people understand themselves better and be more mindful in their relationships. So, so I, I'm, a, I'm, a, you know, I'm a hustler, I'm a businessman, I'm a, I'm a parent. Um, but when I get a chance, yeah, I get sucked in. I love, I love competition, I love football. You still got it? You still uh, move well? Your body still move well? Still catch still if you had to? Of course, you know, of course. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, as you get older, and I, this is real, you know, the, the mind doesn't age. It gets wiser, but it doesn't age. The body does. And so, you know, I play softballs on, uh, I play softball tonight. I play on Mondays. And I have to remind myself, okay? I have to remind myself who I am and where I am. Otherwise, I'll hurt myself. Because <laughs> when I get out there, you know, I, I hit the, I hit a ball and I tell myself I'm going to jog, but I hit it into the alley and, and I just flash back to running, you know, running a triple and I just hit it full speed. It, you know, I, so I have to be careful. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, hey, as you're stepping into the batter's box, <laughs> as you're stepping into the batter's box, you righty or lefty? Righty. As you're stepping in there. All right, Ricky, let's fucking remember. <laughs> All right, it's ain't Texas. <laughs> okay, we are currently an astrologer and a uh, and a cannabis founder company. All right, let's remember that as we fucking. That is funny. Trying to re like remind us. Hey, we are not. Okay, a lot of people have seen highlights. As have you. We are not that person anymore. All right, let's yeah. remember that because those hamstrings will go, Rick. Hey, I know that the Achilles. I know I have to like remind myself, but I do. I do give myself permission because I play shortstop. 
So when I'm out there, I'm doing my best Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Seriously, that that's my the hitting is fun, and you know I try not to run, but playing shortstop, I like ah, especially in softball because shortstop gets all the action. I, I love it. Did you in we talked about it a little bit there? Um, did you ever hate sports and competition though? Whenever you were kind of getting pushed out, did that ever happen? Did did you ever see? Was there ever a moment in your life where you? Uh, thought like this was going to be your life now or was there a lot of because I remember you went on full journeys I think you went over to uh, different mountains and Buddhist communities I think trying to were you trying to find yourself trying to learn more what was it well you know I was trying to grow as a person and and I think in the in the the environment of a professional football team there's ample space to grow as a football player but it's kind of tough to grow as a person uh, you know, and I, I think, you know, we talk about toxic masculinity and it's not everywhere, but you, you realize in a football environment, there's a lot of that there. And so I love competition and I loved I, I just loved striving to be to become my best self. But just the environment, it was it was really, really hard on me. And I and I realized it was funny when I started traveling aside from, you know, external expectations and just bumping into people who I naturally resonated with. It was a totally different kind of person than than a football player, and uh, and I think that was the best choice I ever made in my life because it allowed me to to grow and develop in ways that I I wasn't in that football environment. Yeah, man, it sounds like you found true fulfillment, which is a beautiful thing. Go ahead, Ty. Ricky, going back to the uh, the softball, if I'm not mistaken, you you got drafted uh, to the MLB, I think, two separate times and played a bunch. Was there any point, like, after football or, you know, like, when you were, you know, finding yourself and discovering, did you ever think, like, oh, shit, I, I maybe should have played baseball professionally? There was a, there was a point, and it was, after, it was after the 2000 season. So 99 was my rookie year. Uh, we went three and thirteen. I played. I only played in twelve games. I was hurt the whole year. Horrible year. Two thousand. Uh, Dick gets fired at the end of the year. Two two thousand. Jim Haslett comes on as a head coach, and uh, you know we got a, we have a rough relationship. And two thousand starts, and I'm killing it. Uh, week ten against the Panthers, I break my ankle. You can't make this up. I break my ankle on my thousandth yard. Oh, so if you oh. look at, so I had exactly 1,000 yards in 2000. And so after that, I was kind of thinking, you know, maybe this football thing isn't for me. And I I, uh, I called up the Rangers who had my contract, and I, I went back to San Diego. I called my own baseball coach, and I actually started training. Um, but um, but Rock Gullickson, our strength coach, who was also my strength coach at Texas, called me up and convinced me to come back to the to the Saints. So what a wild story that would have been because who knows what that community or culture is like in the MLB, mm. what you could have done. Uh, who knows? That's uh, do you regret any of that? No. You just look back on it as a great story. Is that something you would have wanted to do, you think? I live for is interesting stories. And so it's a better story yeah. God and played baseball because you know, I, I love baseball but but you have to really love baseball to play every day like that. And and I, you know, I need I need a break. And I don't I don't think I would have made a plan plan that many days consistently. I think you did interviews there for a bit with a helmet on, I believe. Is that because was that something that you had to grow through? Was there classes or anything? And when did that start? Do you remember the exact moment that that started and the exact moment that ended? I do. I, I remember when it started. So it was uh, it was my training camp, my my rookie season, 
And first preseason game that year, I had a high, I got a high ankle sprain against the Dolphins. And so I wasn't practicing, and I was rehab. And it was a big deal because they tra- they traded all the picks, and, you know, the, the valuable cargo was injured in the first preseason game. So we were in Lacrosse, Wisconsin, and it was after practice, and I was going to uh, sit under the, this covered area to do an interview because it was raining. And so because it was raining, I was wearing my helmet. And as soon as I sat down on the bench, someone in the media said, take off your helmet. And, you know, I'm sure I was moody and pissed off because I was hurt. But, and I'm, you know, I have a rebellious streak. So I was like, you know, I didn't like the way he said it. And so I, as a, as a re- rebellion, a rebellious act, I just left the helmet on during the whole interview. <laughs> it just kind of became a thing. And so I didn't, I wouldn't wear it like after a game, but after practice and media, I'd wear my helmet. And as I started wearing it, it started to take on like a symbolic, more of a symbolic feel for me because one of the things that I wrestled with is that I felt like, you know, once I made it to the NFL that, that people would see me and would appreciate who I am as a person. But the opposite thing happened. People projected all this, these ideas about who I was supposed to be and no one really cared about who I was as a person. And so I felt like wearing a helmet was my rebellion saying, you, you want me to take this off and reveal who I am, but you don't really care who I am. And so it, it, that's what it evolved into. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you for telling us, by the way. I never knew that. Some people said you were scared to talk to the media. I think that's what some of the media people portrayed it as because they probably refused to ever ask. And I found it as I started doing my own thing, there were some Colts fans that did not care about, hey, you just need to kick the fucking ball is basically what it was. Now, that's not a majority of people, but that was some people who are so invested in one thing that the thought of something else potentially ruining that can make them say some hateful shit. You know, I assume you experience a lot of that. Well, we've all been through it, and that's why I can understand when people did it, because I've done it myself. And, you know, that's what I've appreciated about this whole thing, is we all have choices to make in life, and every choice we make is going to piss somebody off. (laughs) And I get it, you know, but we still got to live. What's above you right there? It's called a a yantra. Uh, It's something that my wife got when uh, she was in India. Good spirits, good vibes. Does it say anything on there, or is it just cool to look at? It's cool to look at. They, they use it for <laughs> med- You know, the idea is to stare at it and, and really focus and then close your eyes and then see it. And, yeah, it's a meditation tool. You meditate daily still? I, I do, yeah, yeah. Massive part of the day? It, it, it is. My, my day doesn't go well. It's, it's just part of who – it's just a, a reminder. You know, so, so many times in life we get going with things and we forget. And so for me, I like to start every day with the reminder of who I am and, and, and why I'm here. God, that's fucking awesome. Go ahead, yeah. Connor. Ricky, uh, I believe you finished your career with the Ravens, then you actually ended up working with them. Did they embrace you kind of more than any other team? And also, when you were done, uh, were you like mentally and physically just kind of done with the game, or did you just want to walk away? Um, you know, I, I made a goal that I would walk away when I wanted to, that my football career would be indefinite, that it wouldn't be something where I get hurt and I can't play anymore. I wanted it to be my choice. Um, and I, I would have loved to have finished my career in Miami. I would have loved to, but uh, Coach Sperano and I had some differences, and so I ended up becoming a free agent and ending up in Baltimore. And it was an amazing experience, one, just a, just a great football town and and just a great organization. They really take care of their players, and the guys on the team were great. T. Sizzle, uh, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. It was just amazing. Amazing to be at Marshall Yonda. Just amazing to be able to play with uh, Haloti Nada. 
just amazing to be, to be able to play with a bunch of great guys that love to play football, that play really good football. It, it was an amazing experience. Um, but the part that sucked was, you know, and I guess it, it happens to all of us at the end of our career, especially when you move teams, is that is that you have to, like, earn their, their trust again. And so it was hard going from Miami, where I was always a part of the game plan, to Baltimore, where I was kind of really in a backup role. And I wasn't, you know, weekly part of the game plan. That was a tough adjustment. And I made the decision that it's not worth the time and the effort to, to put into the game when th this is all I'm getting out of it. And there were other things that I was more interested in doing. And so um, I made the decision to, to retire again. <laughs> it, it, isn't, well, congratulations on both of them. Uh, isn't it interesting, though, that you get to the point of your life where you say, I'm sick of wasting all my mental energy on one thing. I would like to expand it into other things. And some people get very alarmed by that. Well, you're wasting opportunities. It's like, well, what about all the wasted ideas and thoughts that I have that's potentially happening because I'm focusing on, for me, kicking a ball on fourth down when the offense fails. For you, when you potentially get in, whenever your package is in there. Those are some deep thoughts, deep conversations you have to reach right and I didn't even have a package it was like whatever, <laughs> it was like whenever Ray was was tired but then if I had a good run then Ray was auto automatically not tired anymore it just was like <laughs> game plan it just was a lot I was like okay there's just and, and I think that's we should all ask ourselves that question at least once a year am I still mentally engaged and invested in the things that I'm doing yeah it's real it's a great question to ask and I, I am, by uh, the way. Hell yeah. Hey, that's a good place to be. That's that a good place to be. We're going to get to a break on Sirius. This conversation with uh, Ricky Williams continues at youtube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee show. Bingo. They just checked there out. They're on a break on Sirius. We're still live on YouTube. Thank you so much for joining us, Ricky Williams. Go ahead, Tone Diggs. Ricky, Texas has a guy right now at running back, Bijan Robinson. Do they ever, do the young guys, like at young Texas running backs or anything like that, ever reach out to you for advice or anything like that? Um, in the past, not really. But um, but Bijan and I, we we, uh, we have. We connected at an event in, uh, in Phoenix this summer. And, you know, when you're just meeting someone like that and sitting at a, at a dinner and getting a chance to, to talk, and I got a chance to meet his family, and really got a chance to see each other face to face. And so it means something you know, when, I, when I watch or, or when I give him a little bit of feedback. Even though he doesn't need any, he's, he's, <laughs> he's really a special talent. And, I, you know, I feel more honored that he's, he decided to come to Texas and I get to associate with him. <laughs> Arch Manning might go to Texas, by the way. Yeah. That's what everybody's talking about. One of the Mannings going down there. Hey, maybe we'll get back on. Hey, hook him. Hey, hook him. There we go. Yeah. You still love Texas, yeah? Of course. I mean, uh, you can't, you, at least for me, I can't imagine spending four years there and not, and not loving that place forever. It's just, it's just such a... It, first of all, I think college is just a magical time because you're free... And you're you're intelligent enough to get in trouble, and especially when you're playing football, you know. Uh, and at Texas, you know, I, I loved it. But nothing like it. It's all yeah. I'll bleed orange until the day I, I'll bleed orange into my next lifetimes. <laughs> oh shit! You oh, just yeah. opened a can of worms. How many lives are we living? What's going on? Do we reincarnate? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, we reincarnate. Wrong well, life. even if you think of, even if we're not talking about, like, literally, even if you think of life, right, how many times have we reincarnated, right? I, you know, I was a kid, and then I was a teenager, and then I was an adult, 
You know, I was a baseball player. Then I was a football player. Now I'm an astrologer. I think we're always reincarnating. You know, it's just the nature of life. In certain forms, whether it's a relationship or a house or a job, they come up to teach us something about life. And then when it's time to, we've learned the lesson, it's time to move on. That form has to, has to die and a new one has to come and take its place. So I think that's, that's just nature. God, I hope you get a chance one time to reincarnate into this old ass man with the dreads hanging. I mean, the hang time being <laughs> absurd and just spitting wisdom to everybody. This has been amazing. Uh, it's it's coming. Yeah, yeah, it is. I won't make it that long. I'll be reincarnated into the dirt and then hopefully into another life or whatever it's going to be. Uh, but I appreciate you so much for joining us, Rick. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're awesome, dude. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Where's the Heisman at? Is it in every state that's legal? Are you growing? Are you processing? Do you have pre-rolls, edibles? What are you selling? Yeah, so, so really the way I look at it, we're a lifestyle brand. It really is inviting people to think about and talk about cannabis differently. Like what you said, it gave me goosebumps. Because to me, that that's more interesting than saying we have to change the stigma. Like, fuck that, you know? We just have to be honest. People just have to tell the truth about what their experience is. And so I think we're creating a safe place to do that, you know? So, you know, and to live it. So we have merch. Uh, we have flour, of course, and pre-rolls are coming soon. And, and we're going to move in, you know, into edibles, into concentrates. But we want to really stay focused right now. And we're, we're launching in California, launching in Oregon soon after, and then in Nevada. Uh, and we're in conversations to launch in several, several, uh, several other states. Re really, I want to be one of the first major national brands, right? This idea of really bringing cannabis and sports together. Because I don't know about you, but growing up, I remember all the coaches saying, if you smoke weed, you're going to be a loser. And I, and, you know, and I don't know you've seen it. How many great athletes and really cool people were run off by coaches because, because they smoked? How many great athletes are we never going to hear about because they are run off by, by, by coaches? So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to change that narrative. And, and I think it changes what, what our professional athletes are. You know, they're not they're not blockheads, they're not meatheads, they're insightful, thoughtful, spiritual people that have a lot more to offer than just scoring touchdowns or kicking or kicking balls through. <laughs> <laughs> I am not, by the way. I am just an idiot, you know, that does my thing. But I will support the hell out of Heisman. You need to get to Arizona, by the way, because they just let you buy the whole store every time you go in there. It is awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been our honor to chit-chat with pioneer NFL legend, Photographer, astrologer, once a baby, once a teenager, yeah. once Don't. a high schooler. <laughs> then he's a Texas legend. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Ricky Williams. Yay! Yay! So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that if you're not gambling with FanDuel, you're wrong. Okay, FanDuel Sportsbook is available in uh, seven states, I believe, at this point. Uh, six, seven, eight. You get it. If you're not gambling with FanDuel Sportsbook, though, you're completely wrong. And if we're not in your state yet, we are coming to your state. We have better odds. We have a much easier to use app. The convenience is next level. The people at FanDuel actually refund people when they shouldn't refund people, giving back hundreds of millions and millions of dollars to their users. FanDuel Sportsbook is the best sports book going for a lot of reasons, most of them what I just said. Uh, we are very thankful for our partnership with FanDuel, obviously. There are so many different ways to win. There's more things to bet on. Their boosts seem to always hit, which is just fucking themselves over time and time again. Uh, we love the hell out of FanDuel Sportsbook, and you will too. If you haven't used it yet, use it now. Nah. 
Also, there's fantasy on there, daily fantasy, and free-to-play games where you can win money. Shout out to FanDuel, shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. Joining us now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, a man who joins us every single Monday to overreact alongside of us and point out some things that maybe we didn't see. His tweet last night was definitely cyberbullying yeah. <laughs> and a spotlight <laughs> on it, ladies and gentlemen, at Darius J. Butler. What's up? What's up, fellas? What's up? Why did you bully Russell Wilson <laughs> last night, dude? What's that all about? Jeez. I mean, that was that was. I mean, that was that was some corny shit, man. <laughs> it, it was. It was. But you know, I just threw a joke out there. I mean, people on Twitter, me, man, they, they took it a little too far. But it's part of it, man. Russell knew what the hell he was doing. Uh, that's part of his whole shtick. I remember seeing him mic'd up one game. And as players, everybody knows you're mic'd up. You go to hey, I'm fast today. But he just, you know, takes things a little. Too far, but uh, the huddle was the huddle was over the top. The drive was cool, but uh, that huddle, man, that was that was that was just over the top. Man. Dude, he took a full knee, and da 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 da. He didn't even say the real call, and the goddamn Skycam was basically in there listening to, <laughs> and they had to decide. They had to decide whether or not they let that out because they could have edited that the, oh, the, yeah. the huddle, the initial huddle to lead off the two-minute drive. They could have started with the first down. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? The first first down there. But him, <laughs> him doing that was unbelievable. Why wouldn't, he, why wouldn't he say it just a full call? Why would he fake a call? Because he didn't want to give anything away. He knew Sky Cam was potentially listening. But I do he's not new to this. I think he's like that all the time, to your point. After watching his mic'd up, the whole, like, he was actually saying on the sideline the movie quotes, like, to his teammates while he was mic'd up in actual games. And I think my first reaction was, I wish I could be this guy's fucking teammate. Just <laughs> just how, is this all day, every day? There's no way he's like this. I think he is potentially always like that. So I guess that fits the narrative of... Coin toss, too. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> People not happy about that. Multiple overtime games. They also ran on the field when uh, DK Metcalf fumbled. Jeez, bro. He's a he's a what leader, is his like, I liked him after Monday Night Manic. I think I love him now. Loved him. After that, I said I'm not going to say another bad word about him. But you know, the, the, the huddle thing. I don't, I don't have a problem with the, the, the coin toss thing, whatever. I know Geno's usually their coin, coin toss guy. Maybe they switch roles. They talked about it. No problem there. But, uh, you know. It's Russ, man. It's his first game missing. Maybe he's just, you know, football junkie. He's just missing. Don't know what the hell to do with himself. Yeah. But uh, that was that was that was a little much, man. And maybe you know, there for a long time. <laughs> you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. He uh, maybe he thought about that because he wasn't going to get to play a game. Let's move on and talk about something else. Steelers get a big win about hey, it. Yeah. Hey, Hawks cover. School. Steelers win. That was a great time to be alive, obviously. Uh, Aaron Rodgers told all of Chicago that he has owned them his entire fucking life. He owns them now, and he still owns them. There are now photos being released of the middle fingers flying from the Chicago Bears fans that Aaron Rodgers potentially synced and saw and responded to. Your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers being an absolute savage Darius Butler? I mean... Love it. I loved every second. You usually only see, you know, quarterbacks do the PC stuff, especially a quarterback of, you know, his his caliber. You see him, you know, more along the shit that Russ does. So to see a guy, you know, really just let it fly. And I thought he made the whole, you know, saw somebody in the crowd throwing birds. So I thought he made the whole shit up. I'm glad pictures actually came out. Just now, by the way, that's us seeing it for the first time right there, actually. We we had heard that they're there. There's one... uh, 
That appears to be a little tinier, a little thicker uh, middle finger down <laughs> there to the left. Up here to the right seems to be a little bit thinner, a little bit of a, a little bit more loose uh, uh, look in there. Whoever it was, he said it was a. Oh, there it is. He's giving him yeah. ice. Oh, because he's maybe going to stop. And then he took a peek seat down the end zone side, and he saw more. Oh, he saw 15. more middle fingers. He was like, oh, all y'all motherfuckers need to hear this now. Yeah, yeah. Everybody needs to hear this thing. That is amazing. I love and it. it's true. He owns them. What, 21 and 5 against 22. the Bears? I think it's 22 and 5. Yeah, he owns them. So he, he wasn't lying. Uh, go ahead, AJ. Hey, Debo, what do you think of the Cowboys? I know Dak, what he's a little possible calf strain. And I know I do talk about the Cowboys a lot here, but I thought that game was very entertaining to watch. I was impressed by both quarterbacks, both teams, really. Like, are the Cowboys legit? Do you give them a chance to actually make a run at the Super Bowl this year? Hey, they look like the real deal, man. And finally, you know, because everybody always talks about them. Obviously, they're always a buzzword in sports shows. But, I mean, they're playing good good damn ball on both sides of it. Obviously, Trevon Diggs, he's having <laughs> – a defensive player of the year type year, already seven picks and two touchdowns. Can I stop you quick? Can I interrupt you quick on that that uh, that deep ball that they gave up and they put all on him? The safety was right there. You saw him kind of look back. What you, what exactly was going on there? Ah, uh, well, Diggs came out and said that was his man. He should have been on top. You know that safety. He's as a safety, as a middle field safety. You just got to get the guy on the ground, or if you can, any chance you make a play on the ball. But I feel like he just took a bad angle. Uh, but he got beat. Don't move. And that you love to see that from a young quarterback, too, and a coordinator. He gets a pick six, and the next play you come right back at him with a dope move and go 75. So uh, some big onions there uh, by Mac Jones, and that's the league. That's the life of playing corner. So when you do get your opportunities, you got to take advantage of them. That's what Diggs has been doing. That whole defense has been balling under uh, Dan Quinn. And Dak and that offense, you know, they're winning games. You know, Tony Romo was on the call, and he kept saying, hey, they're coming back to the same play. And they literally ran the same play probably three times in a row until, you know, C.D. Lamb saw that safety wasn't there on the opposite side, just threw his hands up. And they're winning games that typically, you know, we're used to seeing them lose. So now they're winning those games. Uh, it, with Even with Mike McCarthy making some of the most bonehead coaching decisions that we've seen. But they're winning games, winning close games, winning ugly games. Uh, got balance on offense and flying around on defense. So he looked like the real deal. Five wins in a row. So you, you got you to gotta respect him at this point. Corona Tony was catching some heat because he said that this team <laughs> could potentially go win a Super Bowl. But I think we're all seeing it. Like, this is the team that has been hyped up. Just to your point, all these years we've been told about the litter, the litany of talent on the roster, and now it just seems like, hey, they're really going. CeeDee Lamb is becoming an absolute superstar, megastar. Amari Cooper, if he gets going as much as he has in the past, and Zeke seems to be better than ever. I enjoy watching that Cowboys team. Last year, AJ said they'd make the Super Bowl. Uh, he looked hmm. like a fucking idiot. I, this I look year, so smart now. Obviously, I was way ahead of everybody else. You're yeah. a prognosticator. You are from the future. I want to ask you about the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, D-Butt. Uh, first half, ugly. Then second half, it seems like they kind of turned it on there, buried the Washington football team. Obviously, Jackson Mahomes has had to apologize for being a <laughs> non-self-aware fucking asshole and yep. doing his TikTok on Sean Taylor's which by the way how do you even get in there yeah how do you even get into that part of the field oh, I didn't see that I thought you get arrested oh, oh it's, yeah it's I didn't see despicable. that despicable so, he's a douchebag though oh he's and a this, and it, okay thank you I don't know the opinions of D but <laughs> don't necessarily reflect that of everybody but all indications do point <laughs> 
that that is an accurate statement what you just said but i don't know even know how he was able to stand there because there's pictures emerging from where he was dancing and doing his uh lame l dance thing uh, he was doing for his TikTok. there was other people standing right in that area yeah. i don't know how it happened whatever happened but he took a lot of shit Anyways, as he should have, asshole, douche move. Uh, in, on the field, though, are the Chiefs all the way back? Are the Chiefs back? Did you ever question anything like that? They're 3-3 three and three now, seem to be kind of moving, but I think there's still some question marks on whether or not it's the same Chiefs team. Don't you think that or no? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the same Chiefs team, especially not yet, but, uh, you know, they got to adjust. Teams are kind of figuring out, hey, you stay back, you don't let Hill kill you deep. Uh, you, you make somebody else beat you besides Hill or Kelsey, and uh, you got to have a, some type of balance, some type of run game, some type of third option that consistently uh, beats you. We talked about this maybe last week or a couple weeks ago. So I, I'm definitely not going to count them out. You know, too too much talent on that on that field, too much talent on the sideline calling the plays. Definitely not going to count them out. But Mahomes got he got to take better care of the ball. He probably had his worst play of his career uh, this past week. And now week in, week out, uh, cats are catching those picks. So that's that's they've been dropping them the last couple of years, but now guys are actually uh, are catching them. So he's got to adjust. Hey, D. But what about the Bengals? They uh, they worked uh, Foxy's Lions this week. I know the game was. It just seemed like the, the Bengals were having a lot of fun out there. It really did. The offense, defense, everywhere. Like, what, I guess how big how, how big of a chance do you give the Bengals to actually do something? Uh, I, I don't give them a real chance to contend this year. Wow. You know, not to really contend. I don't think they're they're good enough uh, as a whole team, especially on that AFC side when you look at the other dogs on the AFC side. But um, in future, how they project out, I think they, they'll definitely contend. You know, Joe Burrow, he's definitely a stud. Jamar Chase, he looks like he was the right pick at five. I was one of the people who jumped on the table and said he should have took the tackle out of Oregon. But Chase is looking like a stud. Um, you got guys all around the team that can play some ball, but I don't think they'll contend – um, this year, I mean, those Lions, man. Did, did Dan Campbell cry? I heard Ty talk about <laughs> nah, that. Nah, 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 he's 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 mad now. He said, hey, golf stinks, dude. Uh -huh. I'll tell you what, man. Golf needs to step it up. No, he took a shot. The quotes say that he One took a fingers. shot at golf, but he, did, he took a shot at the entire team. Yeah. And then he was then he was asked directly about golf, and he was basically like, yeah, same fucking shit. Like, so what, the, the quote sounds a lot more anti golf than the actual if that means it. I don't know if that means anything or makes sense. They stink. That's media, man. That's they media. Stink. Yeah, that's I mean that's what they do. And shit, when you're 0 and 6, it gets harder and harder <laughs> to come in that building. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're a new coach trying to establish a culture with pros. Now college, you know, you got guys for four or five years, you gotta buy into whatever they're saying. But as pros, it gets harder. I know that year Peyton was hurt. You know, you guys got to what, like 0 and 12? I know that shit had to be tough to just come into work in the building. So, I mean, those guys, shit, man. Why'd, I mean, you, sorry do so, why'd you do so much research into our fucking... No, I, you know, I coach man and man part. I'm with AB. So, oh. we talk about this shit. We, you know, talk about the same thing. So, you were in that locker room. I was. It was very negative. I was very young in that year, though, so I didn't really uh, say much. I wasn't that good of a punter either, so I guess I could have got <laughs> fired. But everybody was a negative pessimistic prick everybody in the building for everybody from the chef to the managers it is a tough building whenever you're losing in the nfl the good thing for detroit though they're used to it that's right uh go ahead uh ty d but this past offseason you were one of the big guys who said hey i watched the film sam darnold actually does fucking stink uh then you said at the start of this season hey 
Sam Darnold might be back. Now it's starting to look like he actually might still fucking stink. What's going on there? Whoa. Is he dead? Are the Panthers dead? Uh, what's going yeah, on in Carolina? I, I got I got cyber bullied into a premature apology, and I'm taking that shit all the way back. Whoa! He stinks. Uh, he's got exposed, you know, since C-Mac has been out. Now, C-Mac will be a huge part of anybody's offense. But uh, once he went out uh, – once again, talking to A.B. because he's been on Darnold's side. Like I'm like, all right, now we're going to see if he's a guy. And kind of like we're going to see with, with Cleveland, with Baker, if he's really a guy with all these guys banked up now. But, uh, yeah, Sam Darnold, I mean, he, you know, he stinks. We're back. We're yes. back at square one. <laughs> and go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Debo, what happened to the Chargers yesterday? Is Baltimore ah. that good, or did they just kind of have an off week in uh, L.A.? 10 a.m. start time, dude. I wouldn't have been Tough. able to do that. I guess the, the Rams were, but the Chargers, maybe they suffered from that. I don't know. Tough, man. So I had a nice ticket yesterday, but Chargers and the Browns, who played each other last week and gave it all they had, apparently. Because they went, they both went to this week and stuck it up. Uh, Chargers, like you said, coming from the West Coast, East Coast, early start. They also got a bye week this week. As players, you know, you, that can kind of be a trap game. You know, going to, you know, it's, it's, it's a big game, tough game. And Lamar Jackson, that defense came to play. Wink kind of was sending pressure, getting them off the field early and often. And Lamar Jackson, I mean, he's, I think he should be right up there in the top of that MVP race at this point in the season. Him and Kyler, because what Lamar's doing, I think he got 35 wins. Just uh, the all-time winning this quarterback this early in his career. I think he passed old Marino. So, uh, shout-out to Lamar and that offense. And then the defense is kind of turning around. I thought they would suck after Carson went and put 400 on him. I thought Herbert would come and do the same thing. But uh, I guess those guys were, were taxed out in L.A. And uh, But I think they'll bounce back and, and figure it out. First drive looked great for the Chargers. I mean, it looked awesome. I saw some ball movement and whatever. But when Lamar just gets going – Oh, my God. It is so much fun to watch. And he's taking a step every single year. Won a playoff game yeah. last year. Now it's his contract year. They haven't got a deal done. He's only going to continue to grow, I think. What an anomaly of a, of a football player he is. And before we let you go. The ho he, oh, 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 oh. Can't say that anymore. Come on, dude. No, listen, we can't say it. Remember? <laughs> Because okay, Demi yeah. Lovato, Talking to Demi? Well, because De hey, hey, Demi. <laughs> listen, I appreciate you taking a stand, okay? Mm. What? They have been able to do in their particular life, you know, representing for different communities is awesome. I think I think they should be congratulated for that. But until they speaks to a goddamn <laughs> extraterrestrial and I hear that the, the, the beings that are flying to UFOs are offended by the word alien, we will continue to use it. Elon Musk is an alien. Yeah, that's right. Tom Brady, potential alien. Uh -huh. Yeah, agreed. Oh yeah, no Lamar, doubt about that. Lamar Jackson, potential alien. Yeah, Aaron could be. Aaron Rodgers, potential alien, mm -hmm. who owns Chicago. Right. Uh, last thing before I let you go, host of the Man to Man podcast, and also, um, D Butt joins Pro Football Focus on, oh, uh, whoa. on yeah. the game day show. Let's go. Come on now. Got to go and talk some sense to those analytics guys. Thank sometimes, you, man. Yeah, they're running rampant. I think right now we have a little bit of a problem because analytics can add to a narrative but i think sometimes they're potentially run in the opposite direction because for every analytics and stat what is there there's an equal and opposite one mm. uh yep. just like everything else that potentially happened should be talked about who knows it's an additive tonight though bills in nashville against the titans what are your thoughts d butt i like the bills win bills to cover man they've been playing great oh, ball on both sides of it josh allen he looks Phenomenal. He's he's another guy who could be in that MVP conversation. And I don't trust Tannehill. I don't trust Tannehill in the big stage, big game. Derrick Henry's obviously a workhorse. I think Julio's back tonight too. Yep. So maybe he can give him some juice. 
But uh, I got to go with the Bills, man. They're too hot right now. Back on prime time. And I think uh, I think they handle business tonight. Uh, Darius has AJ Hawks internet here to the end of it. That's okay. <laughs> He's got the oh, Bills. Man. We got the Bills minus six. <laughs> D-Buck, we appreciate you, man. Good luck being dad of the year. Which every single day, by the way, picks oh, his yeah. kids up from school. Oh, That's right. Legend. Just a fucking savage. Ladies and gentlemen, Darius brother. Can't thank you enough for listening. Hashtag end the pod squad. Take a picture where you're listening at. Continue to win some free merch as Ty scrolls through Twitter. We're back tomorrow with Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Big thanks to Ricky Williams, the legend, Darius Butler, AJ Hawk, all the boys, and all of you. You're the greatest humans on earth. We'll see you tomorrow for Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these beautiful people into a great Monday night as the Bills cover against the Titans, I think. Yeah, we'll see. See you tomorrow.